from my end of it, the performance end of it, and the um, production end of it, and the shooting of television and film, and creating that sort of art. We believe every single person, uh, you know, it's the writing, it's the performances, it's the direction. You have to combine all those with the performances to say every single person we meet in this show is is there isn't a wrong note. It's easy for you to suspend your disbelief that you're watching a television show. Every moment of that experience is believable and real and contributes to telling a story about an entire city or about an entire uh, police department or a criminal organization. Hello, I'm Dave. And I'm Kobe. And this is The Wire Stripped. It's the podcast where we watch The Wire and we talk about The Wire and we talk to people that made The Wire and we talk to the people that love The Wire. Uh, and if that's you, then you can uh, chat to us. We'd love to chat to you at The Wire Stripped on Twitter or Instagram or email us burner at thewirestripped.com. Yes, um, without further ado, let's get to myself and Dave talking about this episode, A New Day, when you right now. walk through the garden, you got to watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track When you walk with Jesus He's gonna save your soul Just gotta keep the devil Way down in the hole He got the fire and the fury Hello, Kobe. Hi, Dave. Are you right? I'm all right. Yeah, we are parked here outside uh, Bubbles' garage, just waiting him for the shop to open. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna get some whiteies. I kind of got the impression that it's always like a 24/7 kind of uh, establishment, but you're, you're probably right. It's got shift work. He's working in shifts. Yeah, he wants to make sure he gets. He wants to make sure he gets some sleep. I think he's had to downgrade since Sherrod left. Oh, but there is. Speaking of the guy, that's Sherrod right there. Oh, there he is. He's back. Oh, brilliant. Well, I gotta say. Very pleased with this scene. It is. Uh, I am. It's lovely to see Sherrod back, but lovely to see Bubbles so welcoming and warm and, and enthusiastic. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. been... Bubbles needs a uh, an injured an injured bird to help uh, to help them out. We had Johnny Weeks. Yeah. Um, now we've got Sherrod, and without Sherrod, he, was, he felt kind of... Well, Bubbles has a lot to give. He's a mentor figure, right? Yes. Yeah. Um... And a mother figure, a caring, a caring yeah. parental figure, or a pretend uncle. <laughs> pretend uncle. I think. Oh, I think I still love that scene. <laughs> it's lovely seeing bubbles with purpose and motivation, though. And I think this is a different bubbles we get in this whole season, mm-hmm. isn't it? Right. He's he's driven and um, yeah, just ugh, your heart breaks. Shit, wasn't working out with JoJo, and I said I wanted some chat on some shit some other boy did. I don't want to make no noise on that though. Impress you. Alright, you get with me and we pay him right back, okay? Nah, that shit you miss Simon going through my head. Forget about that, forget about all that. If I wouldn't have pushed you off, you would've never been up on that corner. But everything I do, I'd be fucking up. Whole time it feel like it wasn't me on that corner. I just wanted to get away. Well, you're here now, ain't you? Right? This is you, right here, right now. Okay? Burning a hole in that shit. Fuck, fuck me all up when I see you walking through the door, Sherrod. Oh, shit. What do you think, huh? 
You know, I can have fights for this. <laughs> All right, man, take your hat off, man. Don't burn them pimp steaks, huh? Um, so I guess following on from another incidental bit, the reason we're kind of we're kind of starting off with the smaller pieces here because this is a big episode for one of our characters. Um, I'm sure we'll he we'll hear a lot from uh, Maestro Harrell in this episode, but let's just head to Omar briefly um, because one of the things he does great, as well as as well as been as as well as being a stick up guy, he's good at just being a great detective and yeah and stakeout he is yeah Ronaldo doesn't like the stakeouts he, he, he cannot be bothered no, can he? he's got no patience do you reckon I have not seen any Cheez-Its or oh you're right what's those whatever they're called I've not seen any of that Omar is that's not a proper stakeout at all it's not <laughs> <laughs> not it, it. Bunny took the kids for a stakeout <laughs> <laughs> the last episode Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Thank you. This has been the wire strip. Good night, everyone. <laughs> but Omar does good stakeout. He does. Um, but that's why he's so good at being a stick-up guy because mm. he, like most things in the world, it's all about intel, right? It is. Knowledge is power, and um, Omar spends time and patience sussing out his targets, finding out who's connected to, and he spends so much time. Tracing Slim Charles that he starts to piece together uh, that he's connected with Prop Joe that there's he find you know he knows where the New Day co-op is yeah. he's like he's really on the he's on really the on the ball yeah one of my favorite things is when Omar goes hey now and that's like penny dropping <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah the big a big piece of the jigsaw puzzle has just landed and he knows yeah. like infinite infinite more than before the hey now. Um, but yeah, he's following Omar. Sorry, Omar's following uh, the New Day co-op, unknowns to him until that Hey Now piece, until the big piece falls. Um, and then he decides to visit Prop Joe to work out what's going on. In, in a, a bit more cracking scene. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Have, have we had Prop Joe in... Yeah, because I, um, through oh, Butchie. We, yeah, we saw them at... Well, this this is where um, Omar's figured more pieces out, mm. right? Because he realises in that scene that Prop Joe sent him in to rob Marlowe, yeah. knowing full well who Marlowe was, mm -hmm. right? So Omar does not like to be manipulated, and he's using that same decision by Prop Joe as now leverage, because he's saying, I'll tell Marlowe that you sent me in mm -hmm. uh, to rob him in the card game. He's using that to play Prop Joe's own game to try and get Prop Joe to help him rob Marlowe again. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it is just several levels of... of heist happening here. Michael K. Williams, obviously, yes, he was amazingly uh, talented. This is Eric Deggins. He's the NPR TV critic. But he was also, like, like his um, rise to prominence as a result of being on The Wire was a good example of why The Wire was, a, was as successful as it was. He came to TV acting in an unconventional way. Um, he had been a backup dancer for artists like uh, Madonna and George Michael, and he'd been in videos. Um, but there wasn't really a sense that, that he could be an actor. And, you know, uh, of course, he had a huge scar uh, down his face. And so um, he wouldn't have been, he wasn't the conventional kind of looking actor, even for black actors. And back then, you know, African-American actors especially, I don't know what it was like in England, but, but in America, um, it was uh, harder for black actors to get high-profile TV jobs because the TV networks were hesitant to put on shows that had too many 
uh, non-white characters in them. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, I, again, I talked to David Simon about this when I, right before I wrote the piece for the BBC, and he said one reason why The Wire had so many great actors like Michael K. Williams and Michael B. Jordan and Clark Peters and, you know, Wendell Pierce and, um, you know, on and on and on, you know, Clark Johnson, you know, all these great guys, all these great actors and actresses was because, um, you know, they weren't working as much as they should have been <laughs> because, uh, you know, more conventional TV shows weren't hiring them. That was all Michael K. Williams. Like when you watch him in other things, there's just this, I don't know, there's something about him that you can't take your eyes off of him. You believe. This is Jennifer Wood. She's the editor of Mental Floss and of the book The Curious Viewer. He brings a soul to his characters that that few actors can, can really accomplish. And, you know, he was, he wasn't, I mean, he was complex, but at the same time, not really it was just sort of he was straightforward and that like here here's who i am you know here's the, the character i am and and it was it's hard to imagine the show without him um and you know sort of what it there's a hundred other characters on it but but to stand out so strongly in a cast made up of of that caliber you know actors and characters is is a pretty amazing thing on the politics side, we're starting to see the uh, the the fallout from Hark busting a, a reverend for 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 drugs, um, and that this puts, you know, we talked we talk a lot about you know ripples down the you know down the chain from the authority figures on top, but this yep. is one of the reverse things where somebody at the bottom has done something, <laughs> and we're seeing it affect uh, uh basically in a in a in a tricky position now because he needs to either introduce a civilian review board for police complaints, which mm-hmm. won't be um, popular with the, the, what does he call them, the frontline <coughs> troops, the, the beat officers and nope. all that. Um, but if he um, lets this go away without uh, somebody getting fired or severe consequences, well, then he's alienated um, the, um, the the minister's community, right? Yep. right justifiably so. Um so uh, it's kind of an, he doesn't know what to do, and uh, this is one of his first. He describes it as his first bowl of shit, which I liked. Which yeah, is a nice call back to his uh, meeting with a former mayor. Yeah, that, that that was good. That was a good scene um, with that former mayor, and <laughs> again, just Herc Herc's uh, nonsense rippling through this episode. Um, <laughs> Herc, Herc, shit rolls downhill but Herc managed to roll the shit back uphill yeah. <laughs> um, but the uh, who is um, Carcetti's unexpe- unexpected saviour uh, it's uh, it's Burrell right with the who literally throws the book at him yeah there you go yeah this is how to sort your this is how to sort your shit out hold on does this mean Burrell this is what Burrell wanted do you think he thought, I think if, Burrell saw an opportunity here. Okay, yeah. he, he just thought... Oh, you mean with all the arrests? Yeah, yeah. Was, do you oh! Think, do you think that something was actually going to go wrong at some point that Carcass would have to get himself out of it and think... Oh my God, maybe. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe Burrell is smart is he that gen- Is he that much of a genius? By knowing Frankie for years, I always sort of felt like Frankie knew what I was doing. She. It's Isaiah Whitlock Jr., Clay Davis himself. He wasn't going to rat me out or anything like that, but he knew because that's 
some of that comes out in my everyday personality, you know, where, you know, you're going to, you're, you're going to turn on some charm and you're going to try to be as charming as you possibly can, even though, uh, you're not quite on the up and up. Uh, but, um, uh, but as far as, you know, his character, uh, we were all trying to do the best. I mean, every character on that show was flawed, uh, to a point where, you know, it was so believable and, and, um, uh, we're all out there in this sort of maze trying to do our best and believing that, uh, you know, we're doing great things. So we talked about Carchetti eating his bowl of shit, his first bowl of shit. And then this actually turns into quite a humorous section where he just steps into the parks and rec department and says, right, a swing's broken. And then oh, and I love this montage. He, storm, yeah. he storms out, and they're like, "Which swing?" And then <laughs> <laughs> and he storms into the department. Guys, there's a fire hydrant. There's a fire hydrant that needs to be um, that needs to be locked off. Which one? And they all just <laughs> dive out because the mayor elect has just come in, said something's wrong, and they all step up the game. And he, again, being a being a force of good here, Carchetti, yeah, um, and seeing that he can actually affect change. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this. Mm. But I also did appreciate all their frustration. <laughs> when your boss comes in, gives you an impossible brief with no details. And you'll be like, I need that by tomorrow. So we get some nice scenes of uh, Daniels enjoying his newfound position mm. here. Right? Well, why wouldn't you? So he's in homicide. Um, and he's basically <laughs> like, what do you guys want? <laughs> and we get some, hu as always, a lot of humor from the homicide black humor from the homicide people those guys are great they want uh, you know more investment in lab work and and uh, technicians uh, improved witness protection and a pay raise right so a lot of this sort of but thing. I always thought I thought the homicide detectives were quite happy with their pay because they get all the, all the overtime aren't they and, and stuff so yeah but they're still sort of I, I think the homicide workers still get, come across as these sort of blue collar workers sure. sort of vibe right they're always seen underpaid and they probably are underpaid yeah yeah, yeah. Um, plus if the boss, new boss is there you always ask for more money sure why not um, but this kind of alludes to the title as well of this episode, A New Day, mm -hmm. right? This is a new day. you got the New Day co-op. Yeah. But you've nice. also got uh, the a new day in the Western and in, in Homicide, thanks to um, Cedric Daniels. And, I mean, one of the ways he had next that is to have a chat with Freeman. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> this, is, this is when you're like, yes, the pieces are coming together. Uh, Daniel's on one side of the desk, Lester Freeman's on the other side, and they're talking. And that's where magic starts to happen. Yeah, it's just we love these characters so much because we've spent so much time with them. Right? Yeah. Um, but the I love, there's a great lesson. So this is basically, yeah, Daniel's telling um, Freeman he wants him back on the MCU. and But Freeman's been burned by mm -hmm. Marimo, and... Uh, and is is and Bet gets basically told by Daniels, which I love. Like, you can pick your commanding officer. Basically, <laughs> like as far as I'm concerned, you are major crimes, and I just love that. And just like Freeman being recognised for the genius that he is, yeah. um, and Daniels being using his power and influence for good. These are two brilliant things. I I love that straight away. We go back into the MCU offsite, and. Freeman goes back into case files. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, because earlier in the previous episode, we'd seen Marimo just sort of 
frustratedly get more, oh, more letters from yeah, stupid yeah. Lester Freeman, <laughs> stupid subpoenas. And then you're like, no, you fucking idiot. Um, it's important. And I love in this episode, they cut, you know, we get Freeman, yeah, as you say, like switching the lights back on and walking around. It's such an awesome moment. Mm. And he takes out his old boxes and he's looking through the subpoenas. But they, st- they cut that so beautifully in this episode with the people who he was subpoenaing at a fundraiser with Carcetti for yeah. the Ella Thompson Fund. The Ella Thompson Fund. Guys, if you um, follow us on Patreon, you can you can help. The Ella Thompson Fund is a real charity, as yes. you've probably heard about, because we've, we've been banging about it for the past uh, season and this one. Um, but yeah, this is a nice super tie-in. To, it was great to see, yeah, yeah. To see them in the actual, because it's the first time around, I didn't know who they were. But no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were like celebrities <laughs> popping up on the, the banner when I saw it. Um, yeah, so that is nice because you just pulls out the case file. It's like Jeff Smith, and then suddenly the name Cut tag. To Jeff Smith, yeah, I love that. Is it it really it's a really nice touch. Um, probably something I missed in the first time, first few times watching it. Yeah. Certainly, um, which is why you want to rewatch The Wire time and time again, and then listen to this podcast, and then tell your friends about it. Give us a review <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> then follow us on Patreon. Yep. Help the Ella Thompson fund. Yes, it's it's all good. So we have the culmination of um, Carcetti's nuisance with, with all the heads of the um, the, the city, the city, the, like, the, like the Parks and Rec team. Um, oh, they where, all report back, don't they? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then the one, only one team has done a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is again great. Then it's that. Then it's that. It's that stick for the other guys to do better next time, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I like his style. But we get an interesting bit at the end of that scene where that one guy stays back and informs Carcetti that there's a $54 million uh, deficit in the school system and that is when mm. you just despair, right? Well, my heart dropped for him there. My heart dropped for the kids of Baltimore. Not just for him. Yeah, it's the kid, like the kid, because that's just the genius of this show. Mm. We we have been watching those kids and Prez and Bunny battle away on the front lines even Cotty was there yeah, yeah. at one point you know rounding rounding kids up and you're just like just like what are they going to do and then one tiny throwaway line from a character we've never met before 54 <laughs> million dollars and you're just like suddenly the odds are just insurmountable mm. aren't they it's it's insane I, I, like, I, like I say my heart just sank for a lot of different reasons a lot of different people um it seems like a Sisyphean task, really. Yeah, I mean, how do you how do you do that? We certainly don't know, but send no. your answers to producers <laughs> at thewirestrip.com. Yeah. You know, we will pass off uh, your ideas as our own, and we'll make millions. <laughs> we will fix the school system. Um, should we head to the schools? Well, we're here, so yeah, let's yeah. talk about the schools. Mr. Mayor, on my way downtown today, I saw an abandoned car. Tow it right away. Where is Mr. Mayor? The location. Oh, fucking Christ. Call Transpo. Get the fucking trucks moving. Oh, Mr. Mayor. I got a oh, constituent sir. call. She said the playground near her house was a hazard, rusted metal. Uh, we'll get right on it. Uh, the location? Uh, sir, I need a location. 
Mr. Mayor, I understand your concern, but you've got to understand, we have more than 9,100 hydrants. And one of them's leaking. You see a lot of people talking about the curriculum, and especially, I love the way it's counterpointed with um, Carchetti in the mayor's office. And they talk about what they need to do for the schools, but they never talk about the relationships. They never talk about, um, they're just talking about like grades, assessment results, money. This is Peter Tobin. He's a teacher and an educational content writer who's worked in schools in the UK and in Ireland. Like I've worked in great schools where they've had um, money pumped into them, top of the range, um, computer suites, everything. But that does nothing for behavior in your classroom. You can still be abused in a classroom with 30 computers. You can, you can still have things thrown at you as a teacher. Like the money doesn't fix things. There's lots of other issues um, going on around it that's kind of swirling around it. But they're kind of, I love the fact that the depiction of the classroom and the environment for the kids is so raw and real. And then the depiction of what's happening in politics is totally ignorant of, of that. Totally ignorant. Right. So, yeah, we, well, we're talking about the schools, so let's uh, stay with the schools. We check in with Bunny's special class, as Bunny's you call it. special class. <laughs> <laughs> we, need a, we need a jingle for that. I think it would be, that would be, that would have been an interesting spin-off show. It would have been. Yeah, um, but like a heartwarming sort of sitcom vibe. It would definitely have canned laughter. Yeah. I'm already imagining um, like a Bojack Horseman type. Um, Bunny walks in. Bunny! <laughs> Um, we get some. I've never done any of these trustful things. Um, where you have to pretend you trust, well, not pretend, show that you have trust in your fellow, right? In your fellow person. Turn around. <laughs> Close your eyes. <laughs> 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 oh no! Oh, that's, that's Dave. Very you're convincing. Supposed, uh, you're supposed to catch me. Scream. It's a. It's a kind of a Simpsons Homer Simpson scream. That was very, yeah, very <laughs> Uh No, I've never done it either. But um, I thought interesting. Um, another, yeah, another interesting example of the um, Bunny's special class trying to sort of break down their barriers mm. uh, and make them work together. But we see Albert um, is not into any of this, uh, young Albert. But that's not, I mean, you, if, that's not necessarily anything that you'd take note of. Um, just before we go to talk about Albert, one thing I liked in this was that no one wanted to do it. And then someone suggested the name and does it and then was like no man but then because now him and Bunny have got that connection Bunny just gives him a little side oh, eye yeah mate come on Naaman is the star he's the star pupil of this class he is right <laughs> and that's what I love about it it's like that Na- this Naaman is the reason you know we spoke um uh, in the last episode about the assessment and it didn't go well mm. <laughs> and how do you measure performance and success in this in this class but he is the measure of success mm. he is um, thriving in this environment he's because he is just such a nice and charming person he it, like Bunny is reaching him they formed a bond it's yeah. make it's making it, Naaman's life better He's a better influence than his mother. It's doing all the things that Bunny and the team want it to do, but how? But nobody is seeing that no. except us. No, exactly. And we are at the audience from the future. We're seeing. <laughs> <laughs> we're seeing. We're seeing them and grow and blossom. Um, and I, uh, yeah, it's a lovely. It's a lovely bit there. Uh, but let's yeah go back to Albert. Sorry. Yeah, oh God, so Albert's had some tragic news. Oh my God, this kid actor is phenomenal mm. in this scene. It's so sad. Um, 
but yeah, his mother, his mother has died, and this is just another, you know, um, example of um, just the people on the front line suffering. There's one of the teachers who I think in the TV show was painted as a little bit of a stick in the mud. Um, I think she might be from the the, uh, the kind of the state education board or something, and she says, you know, you're accepting that these kids are failures. Like you're you you're lowering your expectations for them by removing them from the classroom and bonnie says well they can't they're not gonna you know you could leave them in the classroom and they're never going to um pass the test or achieve or, or do anything and that may be the case yes but in some ways she's right because lowering your expectations for students because they sell drugs or because they uh, swear at teachers or whatever it is you're it's kind of feeds into this vicious cycle then because expectations are always being lowered for them. Um, and that feeds in. And then when they meet challenges, like you see um, one of the, another really, really great kind of representation of what kids are like in classrooms is once they face any sort of challenges, that's when the challenge behavior comes out. So, you know, when, Bonnie is talking to Naaman and he's asking him uncomfortable questions and he's like, well, fuck you, fuck you. And he says it over and over. And there's that really harrowing bit with um, Albert where he, when they ask if any of the kids want to, in that little um, small room, the small group, uh, the teacher asks if any of the kids want to, um, I think, do the trust fall. They want to stand up and fall back into the arms of the others. And she says, well, what about you, Albert? And she and he stands up and he starts swearing at her and storms out of the room. And this is like right towards the end of the season. And she says, you know, what's the problem? I thought you, like you'd been making such good progress. And in another room then with Bunny and somebody else, he says that his mum has died and he's still coming to school. And like these things happen. It's not drama for, you know, a TV show. These things really happen. But there is a rumour going around outside of special bunny special class in the wider <laughs> school that Randy is a snitch and word is travelling fast. As it does in schools. Mm. We went to school. And so this is before this. as 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 they are experiencing this is before everyone had a mobile phone. Uh so Oh, god, oh my god, can you imagine the WhatsApp like, groups? Yeah. The memes. Year five WhatsApp group. Oh no. Randy's yeah. a snitch. And that'll be it. Like everyone gets it straight away. You see it on some gifts going around. You of... see it in some films sometimes where everyone gets the group message and everyone just like stops in their tracks, looks at the message, looks at the person, yeah, and then like chaos. Oh my shoes. god, that's awful because he would he would be experiencing this bullying, you know, Offline through his well. phone as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, you feel Randy's isolation, right? Nobody's sitting with him. People are moving away from him. He's getting, you know, uh, called a snitch in the corridor. And then it culminates in in him being attacked outside school. And you just got to love Michael in mm-hmm. this moment, right? He stands up for his friend. Um, he, loving it. Michael gets a bloody mouth and he is smiling from ear to ear. Yeah. As a result of this little, little ruckus. Um, well, there's an anger in Michael that has been seething for a long time, right? Yeah. And this is a release for him. No, we, we we saw. You said you said he had he had a sly demeanor last uh, last episode um, after his <laughs> ordered the assassination of his uh, of Bug's dad, um, and this is maybe a chance for him to get some of his own aggression out in this in this case. Yeah. Well, there's a change. Well, let's stay on Michael for a second, um, just while we're talking about him, because. The, 
there is a change in him in this episode, mm. you know, and we see that in the, you know, the the way he escalates their plan against Officer Walker, which we'll chat about in a second. But yeah. the, um, he brings, Michael brings it to the next level, right? He brings a gun. He, like, he he's, there's a, there, Michael is different after what has happened, his encounter with Chris and Snoop. And yeah. he's entering into a different phase of himself and his, in a different world. And it's not, Kind of, it's not really nice to watch, and you're right. This is reflective of it. There's a gleefulness in the violence, yeah, for him, uh, and also respect to to um, to Dookie for running and getting Prez, getting help, yeah, and r- much respect for Prez for stepping straight in there, yeah, because these yes. kids, these kids, are not much smaller than him, if at all, yeah, and could be carrying weapons, and yeah, but Prez. Press just knew what to do. That's what's so good about this. Like everyone in that moment acted exactly like you would expect mm. their characters to act. Yeah. Right. And all in very different ways. And it's there it's so sad to see at the end, you know, Randy's Randy's on the on the floor. Oh, um, I know, and he's not moving. He's in pieces. Yeah. Um oh mate. Randy's got one of the best smiles on TV, generally, uh, and the, when when he's not smiling, you know something's wrong. It's so it's, sad. It's, it's terrible. And Prez is as angry as we are. Yeah. And he takes it to Carver. Um who then takes it to Bunny, mm-hmm. um, and then then you start to see all the pieces being connected, right? All the pieces matter. It's yeah. like it's it's lovely. <laughs> oh, him snitch bitch, all that. It was I'm like I completely understood. You know, like you're you know from day one, there's no snitching. Also, Cameron and the diplomats were huge at this time. So we really we really knew. You know, snitching is not what you do. You're listening to Maestro Harrell, who played Randy Wagstaff. I I do think looking. Uh, looking back on it is funny because I, I also, you know, I also knew I was acting. So I never had a, I understood what it meant in the world of what it means. Uh, but I, I think at the end of the day, it was also like being like, yeah, like, you know, no one wants to be the snitch. Well, going back to also being like, man, once you start, saw, once you saw that happen, it was like, yeah, it'd be really cool to be Roman right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or man, what's Michael up to? Damn, I wish I had got that role. But, what you start seeing, like, I'm so grateful to because I was able to flow that character because it allowed me to, like, it really gave me some really, really needy moments. You know what I mean? And, and moments that, like, I know, like, even hopefully throughout my career, like, it's still some things people will reference, you know? Um, but it's, yeah, I, I do think the the sketching thing. I mean, to this day, there's people who will see me and be like, "Hey, you that sketching thing off the wire?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, yeah." His name is Randy, but thanks, bro. Like, man, why you have to tell a dog like that? Like, I get that all the time. Yeah, definitely. And then, and Prez represented Ed Burns. This is, of course, the man himself, Chad Coleman, who played Cutty on the Wire. You know. Ed Burns Burns is a a godsend in the community, man. You know, and that there and again, because I'm going to show you that you can transcend the ignorance of race. And I'm going to show you my heart and I'm going to show you my commitment and I'm going to be here for you every day. And he was a police officer. I think the greatest teacher ever should be police officers who become teachers. That's the real, that's the main, you know what I'm saying? In the hood, in the hood, the police officer who becomes a teacher is so powerful. 
because all those relationships, you know, and Ed carried himself in the hood. And you know, when you carry yourself in the right way as a police officer in the hood, you're getting nothing but respect. And and um, Melvin, you know, Melvin uh, said that of him, that that man never planted nothing on me. And that man was a very fair person. Well, let's take a step back. You're talking about Michael escalating the situation with Walker. Um, and just to recap, in the previous episode, Walker had uh, chased down Donut, broken lots of his fingers, and as the guys are friends, they didn't like that. And as yeah, fair and, enough. And, yeah, why not? Um, so they want revenge. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And um, But again, this, is, this was interesting to me because... We are, what are we, 10, 11, we're 11 episodes in. Right? Mm. This is episode 11. And this felt like it really, we're nearly at the end of the show, this season. And this felt like an interesting, like, uh, I'm going to say juxtaposition now because I'm in English um, <laughs> English, <laughs> English lesson mode. <laughs> so there's a, this whole series of events is an interesting, like, juxtaposition to the first episode, Boys of Summer, mm-hmm. when we saw the boys with their hijinks and their water balloons and yep. their pranks, their hatching plans, right? And it's the kind of, it's a similar mode here, yep. but with a really dark edge. With a menace there. And this is, shows you how much things have changed in all of these boys' lives. First of all, it's, it's yeah, Dookie was kind of half attacked in that first episode of Boys of Summer. Here, you know, um, Donuts got, sitting there on the stoop with broken fingers mm. at, at the behest of this, this, this officer. And then the plan while it's still got that boyish charm, like cover someone in paint, right? That's very Boys of Summer. That's, very... someone, that's someone as a police officer. It's that, not some... Exactly. Yeah. That This shit has escalated. It's a police officer who they're holding at gunpoint. Yes. So. And then they rob him as well. Yeah. Oh, the ring, yeah. yeah. We don't talk about the ring a lot, but the, the, the ring, I love how the ring is traveling, <laughs> it's traveling through around the world, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> around the, uh, the Baltimore. And you're right, it is, it is, an escalation, and Naaman sees the the, the the fear in that. He's he's got like genuine concerns about, dude. Whoa. And Naaman's the here? wild card, and had been in episode one, and mm. and is has been throughout the season. Michael is crossing a line that Naaman is unwilling to cross and won't. Yeah, and well, isn't isn't able to. He's not able to. No, he hasn't got the heart. Um, if that's the right terminology, and the one thing I'd like to say at this point is. The guys then are talking about um, little Kevin being killed. And yeah. Randy, at this point, is like... Worried. He's rightly worried. Yeah, understandably. Yeah. And little Kevin's been killed for potentially being a snitch, even though that's not confirmed. Confirmed, And this is, you know... A, the weight of the world on this kid is yeah. honestly, like... Again, my heart is, my heart is breaking right now, <laughs> thinking about it. Um... Oh mate, but my Maestro plays it so beautifully mm. as well. I mean, all of these, all of these kids in this, in this, when you you don't, when you look at it, this season as a whole, and as we say you, again, you you compare where they started to where they are now. They all did such an incredible job. Just hats off to to the the casting in this in this show again. Yeah. Well, the whole Randy, the whole Randy thing. And the way he has been let down mm. by the police, you know, is coming to a head here. So we see Prez, um, the, the wire's so good at these chain reactions, right? Yes. So Randy gets beaten up, yep. Prez 
Finds out why. Finds out why. Brings it to Carver. Says, yeah. what the fuck, man? He was in your care. Carver's like, whoa, uh, what happened? Uh, uh, Herc, what you were supposed to tell um, Bunk. Yeah. Um, and then Bunk's like, oh, and Herc. And, and then it all comes back to Herc saying, it always Herc. is like, fuck Bunk. And he didn't make the call <laughs> right that time. Um, so Bunk is now on the case. And now we're seeing a chain reaction. Don't want an angry Bunk. Way. No. No. And so they, you know, speak to Carver. And we get this great little MCU reunion in the school. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, Lester, Lester Bunk and Prez. Oh, again, it, it's uh, it's like I say, it's, it's a great reunion. It's like it's like the opposite. It's like the other side of Lester and Lester and um, Daniel's talking with, with these three guys talking. Well, with Lester and. Um, Let's from Prez together for the first time in ages. I know, yeah. That's, even that's and even thing. Bunks like you know, yeah. you, you guys are getting all emotional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's lovely. Um, but Prez, what's interesting here is that Prez tells them back off. Right, he's not gonna. He, he's he's not advising gonna, Randy not to cooperate with the police, right? And he's a former police. He knows. Officer. He knows exactly the danger that Randy's in at yeah. this point. Um, and that danger is very real. He's seen it. In the smallish way, in the front, on the on the steps of the school, yeah, where he knows where this could easily, very, very easily end up for this for this guy who's got nothing but good in his in his nature. He wants to sell candy to kids, um, yeah. just to make a bit of money on the side. Um, but there's one extra vital chain that happens because Prez says he's not helping them, mm-hmm. and he's going to tell Randy not to help them, but he gives them just that tiny bit of information about what Randy told. Or what little Kev asked Randy mm. to tell what's his name who died? <laughs> that bunks tried Lex, thank you. Yeah. My God, guys, it's late. Um <laughs> Um Where what he was told him to do, which was go to a very specific playground that we then cut to Lester and Bunk sniffing around that same playground. Being all silent and detective y. I love the scene so much. This is the like the the yin to the to the fuck scene yang where there's no <laughs> yes there's yeah. very few, there's very li- very very little dialogue um, apart from Lester just being the world's greatest detective, which isn't Batman. It seems it's Lester Freeman. <laughs> of course, and it's Lester Freeman. This is what one of the things I love about the Wire is that denouement is, is the payoff from the first scene where we where we see Snoop buying that nail gun, Lester realizing that there's a nail yeah. gun. But the vacants have um, very floppy doors; they can rip them off. But these ones that have these brand new nail gun nails is where the dead bodies are yeah. kept. And when and he and there is no dialogue until he announces it, like he's cracked the case. No, there's no yeah. dialogue until Bunk says, uh, "Lester, you're scaring me now." <laughs> oh then, yeah, <laughs> That's so good. And then uh, Lester, free, Lester finishes off in a great line: "This is a tomb." Lex is in there. Doesn't even walk in there. It doesn't even check in. No, just walks he off. walks away like a badass. <laughs> it is so good. I'm with you. God, uh, I love this show. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to that episode, guys. Uh, join us next time for episode 12, That's Got His Own, which will be out in the next week. Before we go, of course, we want to say a few thank yous to the key people who helped us make this podcast. First of all, Sam and Martin from the Song by Song podcast for this version of Way Down and Hold that you're listening to right now. And uh, a thank you to Michael Balistreri at Black Snow Comics on Instagram who did our lovely season four artwork. 
Yeah, thanks, of course, to Tom Wally, who produces, edits, and exec produces this podcast and fact checks us when we get it wrong, which can happen, does happen, a lot of the time. Never. I've never done I've never gotten anything wrong in my entire life. Um, OP Joshua is our uh, uh, producer, and he's the, the man that uh, brings all these interviews and, and clips together and uh, helps make this show sound uh, so good. Uh, so thanks Obi um, and lastly our uh, transcription software is Sonics and if you want to get 100 minutes uh, free of transcription then you can do it at sonics s-o-n-i-x dot a-i forward slash invite forward slash stripped okay guys thank you very much I hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time bye you just heard a stripped media production 